This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. scripture to you. It's in Colossians chapter 2. We're talking about going deeper uh, because knowing God is more than an hour on Sunday. Uh, In Colossians chapter 2, the apostle Paul writes these words, and now just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So here the Apostle Paul talks about what we do after we are born again, after we meet Jesus Christ, after we start our Christian life, which is not something that happens by accident. It's not something that happens by force. God doesn't force anyone to love him. He doesn't force anyone to accept his son, believe in his son. When we say accept, it means really to believe in Jesus, to, uh, to put your faith in him. God doesn't force anyone to do that, but once we do, when we do that, Something supernatural takes place inside us. And Jesus called it this. He said, when that happened, he said, you're born again, or literally, he was saying you're born from above. You remember uh, in the scriptures, a man named Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, how could you know, have eternal life and all this? And, and Jesus said, you, well, no one can enter the kingdom of God except he is born again. And, and Nicodemus said, do you mean I have to go back in my mother's womb to do this all over? And he said, no. He said, you know, just like the wind blows and you're not really sure where it started, you can feel where it's coming from, but you can't go to a point and say it started right here. He said the same is true about the new birth or about becoming a Christian, that it is a work of the Holy Spirit that we don't fully understand how it happens, but once we put our faith in Jesus, when we trust in Him, and what does that mean? That means that you're trusting that what he did at the cross, that it's real. You believe that he really is the Son of God. That song that we sing is the confession of faith that, uh, that we, the early church fathers developed back in when their church was in its infancy, when it was just in the early stages. That song that we sing really repeats the things that they wrote down and says, this is what we believe as Christians. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit, that God is three in one. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that uh, Jesus will return again. And, and all of those that have died and that trusted Him, they will be raised to life eternal. and They'll spend eternity in heaven with Him. And actually, you know, we'll be on this earth. Because the Bible talks about, uh, you know, God doesn't make new things, he's going to make all things new. So all of the universe is going to be for our enjoyment. You know, I always wanted to go to the planets. I always, when I was a kid, I studied, I was obsessed with astronomy, uh, astrology, or or no, astronomy, not astrology. Astronomy, the study of the stars and the planets and all of that. And I read incessantly books when I was just a little kid. 
And I dreamed of being able to go to those different planets and what it would be like and to explore the universe. Well, uh, when after uh, Jesus comes back and everything and we spend a thousand years here on earth, then throughout eternity, we're going to get to enjoy that because the Bible says that it, God's going to show us and give us the, uh, and bestow upon us the riches that he has stored up for all of his people during that time. God's plan in the beginning to have a people that were his own will be fulfilled. When he created man, his plan was to have a family and God will do that. To be born again, Jesus said, or born from above, he said it's something that God does in our life as soon as we put our trust in Jesus. When we trust in him, we believe he really did come to this earth. He really is the son of God, not just another person, not just another quote-unquote savior. Like there's been many saviors. There's saviors all over the world, always has been, always will be, that call themselves saviors. Some have been able to create religions. Others have only just had a small group that followed him for a period of time. You remember the Jim Jones incident down there? You know, he was a savior. He was, he was able to lead a group of people to do something foolish. But there's really, when we're a Christian, we believe there's only one Savior. And His name is Jesus. We believe He is the only one that, was the, that is the Son of God. That He was born of a virgin. That He uh, uh, conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. That she was with child, became pregnant with a child, not by the, uh, uh, by the intimacy of a man, but by the work of the Holy Spirit, a supernatural birth, a supernatural conception. And she, he was, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life. He never sinned. He didn't have a wrong thought. He didn't do a wrong thing. He lived a perfect life. None of us have ever done that. And no one else that calls him Savior has ever done that either. It's interesting to me that one of the well-known uh, uh, saviors, quote-unquote, of the world that uh, many people are following today, his last words on his deathbed recorded, not something I just made up, his last recorded words that were written down were, pray for me that I would be saved. Well, Jesus didn't say, pray for me that I'll get saved. Jesus said he prayed for those that were crucified, and he said, Father, forgive them. Uh, to be a Christian means we put our faith in Jesus. We believe that he died on a cross for us, that it was our sins he carried at the cross, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we're healed, that he was the eternal sacrifice of God, that he was the Lamb of God slain, from the foundation of the earth, which means that when God created man, he already had Jesus dying on the cross planned because he knew that we would all go our own way, that we would do our own thing, that we would not live the way we should, that we would do wrong things. And so he already planned a Savior for us before he even made man. So he was slain from the foundation of the world before the beginning. We believe that. We believe that he died on that cross. But we also believe that he was only, he bar, needed a borrowed tomb because he didn't plan to stay there. And that three days he was crucified on a Friday and Sunday he got up out of that grave. And that by 
He did that by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that literally went in and to Jesus that his spirit and his soul descended into hell. He tested, tasted hell, death, the Bible says, eternal death for us. He tasted it. He went there so we don't have to go there. And the Bible says that Jesus, or that God the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. And that He conquered death and hell. We believe that. We believe that He came out of the grave and that He ascended to the Father and He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe that He is right now, ever since He went to the right hand of the Father, interceding, praying, for his children, but also for every person. He's praying for, he prayed for me before I ever knew him when, when I was cursing him and when I was living my own way and doing my own thing. And through the prayers of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, here I am today and we are here today. And to be a Christian, it means all of that. It means that we believe in that. We may not understand it. I didn't know that when I first met him. I just knew that I suddenly felt drawn by the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. I felt a drawing and, and I believed the message of Jesus. I believed He died for me. I believed He could save me. And I surrendered my life. Jesus said, when that, He said that when that happens, that is a work of God. It's something not of the will of man. See, it's more than a decision when I become a Christian. I may decide to listen. I may decide to open my heart. But the supernatural work of you being a Christian is a work of God, not our work. Yeah. It's not us turning over a new leaf. I don't know about you, but I turned over so many leaves, I ran out of leaves. <laughs> you know, I remember sitting in jail and I'd... I'd say, God, if you get me out of this, I, you know, I, I believe there was a God. So I would say, God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll be good. Well, I didn't keep that promise. And you've made promises you haven't kept. I would tell Denise when I would mess up, I'd say, baby, don't divorce me. I promise I'll change. And I did for a while. But the trouble was, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, the uh, I forget, uh, what was it? The um, beaver that was going to, the river flooded and the beaver was going across the river. And the scorpion said, would you ask, ask him, would you take me across the river? And, and the beaver said, no, because you, you'll sting me. And he said, no, I won't, I promise. He said, I won't because you're going to help me to get to the other side. You're going to save me from drowning. I promise you I won't sting you. And the beaver, beaver said, do you really promise? He said, absolutely, I promise. And so he said, okay, get on my back. And the scorpion got up on the the back, the neck of the beaver, and the beaver swam across the river. Just as they got to the bank, the scorpion stung him. And the beaver said, why did you do that? The beaver said, it's my nature. I mean, the scorpion said, it's my nature. And you see, I would make promises. God, get me out of this, and I promise I'll be good. Denise, forgive me. I promise I'll change. I made promises to my parents when I was a kid. You know, okay, I'll change. I promise. But the trouble was, I couldn't because my nature was to keep sinning. See, a sinner sins because he's a sinner. That's just who we are. But the Bible says when someone meets Jesus, when someone becomes a Christian, old things have passed away, all things have become new. They become a new creation. 
a new creature, something new, something made by God. And it says that all of these things that happen in a child of God, this supernatural work that takes place in us, it is a work of God, not a work of our own ability. You know, Christians aren't trying to be Christians. They are Christians that are learning how to be Christians. See, being a Christian doesn't mean you try to be good now. I always thought that when you became a Christian, because Denise was a Christian when I married her. And I kind of, you know, to me, Christians were kind of like black and white TV. No color to it. There was no vibrancy. There was no life. You know, I thought, how boring can it be to live a life like that? And I met Denise, and she was fun. She laughed. She was a party girl. You know what I mean? Just, but she was a Christian. She was a good girl. You know, she had fun without getting into all the things that carry all the pains and hurts. And they're the sources of all those things in our lives. I thought Christians were people that were trying to be good and living by a set of rules and they don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do anything. You know, we're just con- we're working on what we don't do. We're making sure we don't do. And the problem, one of the issues I had before I became a Christian was, I know, you know, I mean, getting real with myself. I'm not talking about how I was with other people. I was cool, you know, I had it all together. But internally, I knew this. I knew I can't do what is right. I have actually tried to do what is right. And I can do it for a period of time. But it's kind of like the guy spinning plates. He used to have a show called Ed Sullivan Show. And he'd have these uh, guys on there and they'd, they get the little sticks, you know, it's stuck up in there about five feet tall, and they put plates on them, and they'd get it spinning, they'd get it out, and before you knew it, they had them all down the line. And the key was, they had to keep running back, keeping the plates spinning, because after a while, they got too many, and the plates started falling. Well, that was my life. You know, I, I mean, I'd try to be good, but I had, you know, the plates kept falling. Every time I'd try to be good, I'd be over here, and the plate would fall, and life was that way. And then when I met Jesus... I discovered that living for him and being a Christian is not me trying to do it all right. It's me learning him. It's me letting him work in my life. It's me growing up in his work in me. Not my work for him. So we've been talking about going deeper. And I appreciate the guys they've spoken to you about you know they spoke about evangelism they spoke about worship they spoke about fellowship or serving they spoke about those things and you know you say yeah worship is something the church should do and evangelism is something the church should do and and serving is something that the church ought to do and you're exactly right but it's our definition of church that you and I may disagree on because church is not this building It's not an organization. I'm not interested in organized religion. I'm not interested in institutional religion. I'm interested in a relationship with God because there's no church going to get me to heaven. There's no organized religion or a beautiful building that's going to make my life better and help me find the answers to the issues of my life. Help me to be a better person, a better husband, a better father, grandfather, a better me that I want to be. See, religion can't do that. So when we talk about 
And when Steve and Stephen and Brian talked about worship and evangelism and serving, they weren't talking about something the church is supposed to do that you, we might call the church, but what we as the church are Christians in our personal lives. I need to develop worship where I have a personal relationship with Jesus and I worship Him and, and I, I have that, I grow in that and, and I take time to just tell Him, Jesus, I love you. And I'm not talking about you got to get up and sing beautiful or, or sing songs. But, you know, I'll just, like, I'll get out in my backyard sometimes or just, you know, I'll go on my motorcycle and ride off in the country. And I'll be sitting on my motorcycle and I'll just riding down a two-lane country road, winding through uh, the, uh, the countryside there, and I'll say, Jesus, I love you. I have my eyes open, obviously. And I'll say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much for what you've done in my life. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for turning my life around. Thank you for what you've done in me, and thank you how you've blessed my life. Thank you, God, for your good. That's worship. That's worship. What we did this morning, I'll tell you what, I think these guys in this band, I'm telling you, you I don't know what you think about, but I think they're the best. Of, I mean, I am so thrilled with these guys and so proud of them, and I so appreciate They get out here and they, they practice and they spend hours working to, be, to do good. And I'm not, you know, it's not whether you particularly like this flavor of music, but if, you're, if you care anything about music, you appreciate good musicians. And I tell you what, they're doing a great job. And they sound so good. But you know, we can do that. We can sing and play and do all that. doesn't necessarily mean it's worship. It just means it's music. But as we come in, we purpose in a heart that as we're doing this, I may not can sing it, but I'm going to sing unto the Lord. And I'm going to worship Him. And there's something about us doing that together. And, and that individually, you know, we're out. When it talks about evangelism, it's talking about us going out and individually letting our light shine. Not being ashamed or afraid of letting anybody know that we're a Christian or that we believe in Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you'll let your life confess me, if you'll take the cover off of your light and just let me live through you and, and not be ashamed of me. He said, I'll confess you to my Father. You know, I need Him to do that for me. I need Him to say to God, the Father, give Him a break. Uh, give Him a break. He's, I know He's not doing real. He's messed up so many times. Just give Him another break. God, forgive Him. I need Jesus to do that for me. Maybe you don't, you know, you've got it so together. But man, I desperately need it. So I want to keep the lid off of my light. Now, your light may be a lot greater than mine, but that's okay. It's still my light. That's why the Bible says, walk in the light. And what is that light? It's the light I have. It's the light I have. I was reading a testimony by a famous actor, Denise and I, a matter of fact, went to see a movie he was in the other night. Great, great movie, a war movie. And uh, he plays a Christian character in it. Well, he really got saved in that movie, turned his life over to Jesus, and he talks about it. He, we read his testimony. He said, this is real in my life. But now this is going to make you angry, some of you. He said, this is effing real in my life. He, it was in the interview. And he kept talking like that. And Stephen and I were reading it, and I told Stephen, I said, let me tell you. I said, that's real. That's genuine. I said, you know, when you meet, meet Jesus, you don't become perfect. None of you had a baby. There's never been a baby that had a doctor's degree when it was born. Yeah. 
that was able to add two plus two or able to communicate in the language of its parents. It had to learn that. And when we talk about going deeper, we're talking about learning how to be a Christian because meeting Jesus is an event, an experience, but learning Him, becoming a Christian, or living, learning how to live like a Christian is a process. So let's look at two things here. Or something here about that Christianity is basically about two things, very simply. Christianity is about two things. It is about knowing Jesus Christ and making Him known. That is the whole ball of wax. That's Christianity summed up of what God wants us to do. His, what all does God want me to do? He wants me to know Him and to make Him known. And making Him known doesn't mean necessarily that I've got to go out, stand on the corner, pass out tracks. There's a place for it, and that's great if that's what you want to do. But really what he's after is that my life is live for Jesus the best I know how. And that people are able to look at my life and see I'm not perfect, but they see me walking in a different direction than I was before. That I'm walking towards a different destination. That I have a different value system, a different uh, purpose in my life. When we speak of knowing God, going deeper because knowing God is more than an hour on Sunday. When we speak of knowing God, we're speaking of far more than knowing about Him. See, I knew about God, but I didn't know God. I remember when I was, you know, we'd be doing drugs or something and we'd all be sitting around and after a while, God came in the conversation. It was so strange. Not one of us were interested in living for God. But once we got high enough, God came in the conversation. And for some reason, and usually, guess what? You know who would usually bring him up? Is the worst of the group. The guy that was the meanest that you couldn't turn your back on because he'd do something to you. I mean, you, his best friend couldn't trust him. And sure enough, we'd get... We'd get to a place we'd be high, and yes, I did. That's a long time ago. Now, this is not yesterday. <laughs> Just bear with me. Just take off your religious eyeglasses for a moment and let us be real, okay? But it was amazing how God would come up in the conversation. And then when we began to talk about Him, there, if there was 10 of us together, we had 45 different opinions of God. I mean, I'd start saying one thing about God, and I'd probably change... Ten times in the conversation. We were so convoluted in our understanding. We had no knowledge of God. We're like worms trying to teach trigonometry. Or fleas explaining the universe. We couldn't do it. So when we talk about knowing God, we're talking about knowing more than knowing about Him. Or knowing and saying, well, I believe He existed. Or just some surface knowledge. When the Bible speaks of knowing God... It literally is speaking of an intimate knowledge. Something internal in the core of our being. If you serve God, if you become a Christian and you serve God long enough, there's going to be times in your life when you face things. Because see, getting saved doesn't mean life is perfect. 
And you go through things just like everybody else does. It rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on those that are Christian and those that are non-Christians. When a hurricane comes, it blows against all that are there. All right? But if you, if you become a Christian, you're going to come to the place in your life at points, at times, when you won't be able to explain it all in your head you won't be able to give all the answers or, or repeat all the right verses. But there will be something inside you that will just say, but I know. But I know. And people will look, how do you know? I don't know. I just know. And what is that? That's what I'm talking about. Where that there is a knowing of God deep inside you. That is not in your head because your head can one moment think great things and oh, life is going to be good for me. And then you get a letter from the IRS and you think, my God, what is wrong in life? I mean, our thoughts and our opinion and our feelings, they change faster than the wind does. I mean, you can wake up in the morning and think it's going to be a great day, but by the time you lay your head on your pillow, you say, this is the worst day of my life. Why? See, so those things, I'm not talking about the, those temporary or those surface things of our life. I'm talking about knowing God that's something down inside you at the very core of your being that no matter where you are, what you're facing, what you're going through, you can say, but I know him. I know this. He is good. He will see me through somehow. I'm talking about a knowledge that is so impacting in our life that it changes the very course of our life. It changes how we think, how we act, and how we live. Not living by a set of rules, but something internal that begins to move us and shape us and direct us. Our value systems change. Well, I tell you what, I absolutely know this. When you become a child of God, not instantly, but if you pursuing knowing God, if you go deeper, your value system is going to shift. It's going to be in a continual shift from self-centered to Jesus-centered. And Jesus-centered values care about other people. Love others, not just ourselves. God longs for this in our life. God has absolutely no interest in you and I becoming religious. The last thing God wants you to do is to accept a religion and become religious. Because when you read the scriptures, if you look at the crucifixion and read those last or the last days of Jesus' life. Well, you can read his whole ministry, but the last days, it's so evident. The people that came against him were not just everyday people. They were the religious crowd. Those that knew God. And they were the ones that when Pilate wanted to let him go, they said, no, crucify him. And they stirred the crowd up, the Bible says. The religious leaders stirred up the crowd to have Jesus crucified. Now, God is not interested in you becoming religious. God wants you to know Him. 
and to know that he knows you. Everything God has ever done in the earth, is doing or ever will do, is for this one simple purpose, that you and I might know him. That man might know him. God has never wanted to hide behind a cloak of mystery and forms and rituals. He's wanted to sit down with us at the kitchen table and eat with us and let us get to know him to where we can say, I know him. I know him. Jesus said to know the Father is to have eternal life in us. See, it's not all the right things in our life. It's not us doing everything right. It's not us dotting all of our I's and crossing all of our T's. Yes, we should work to be better, absolutely. But the last day I live, I'm still going to need work in my life. The biggest room in my life is a room for improvement. But Jesus said, knowing the Father, knowing Him, that's eternal life. If you just know Him. If you and I can grasp this one simple truth, what I've been talking about, that God's one purpose, His one desire, everything He does, and everything He ever will do in our lives, whether to bless us, heal us, help us, whatever, the, whatever you want to call it, anything and everything He does is for this one purpose, that we can know Him, that we can know Him, that we can say, I know Him. How do you know Him? Because he's done this. I've seen him over and over in my life. Can you imagine somebody going to the blind man that Jesus healed and that blind man telling, or them telling the blind man, you can't believe in him. He's not, he's not of God. That's what they said. And listen to what he said. And they started arguing all these religious things with him. And he said, I don't care about all that. But this one thing I do know. I was blind and now I see. You couldn't convince that man that Jesus wasn't good. We spend our time here on earth pursuing temporary things, don't we? We do. They thrill us and they disappoint us. But God spends all of our life endeavoring to work within us this one thing, that we know Him. That we know Him. You know what? I want to be able to lay my head on my pillow the last day of my life when it's time for me to go and my heart's going to quit beating. And I know it's time for me to draw my last breath. You know what I want to be able to say? I don't want to, have, I don't want to just say, uh, I had a great time, had a lot of fun. 
Here's what I want to say. I want to know. I want to be able to say, I know God. I know He's real. And my future is in His hands. Our greatest victory is not answered prayers. Our greatest victory is this one thing, that we know God and He knows us. Listen to these words of Jesus. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. They sound like really great people. Good religious people. Listen to what he says. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. Isn't it something? He didn't say you weren't good enough. You didn't read your Bible enough. He didn't say all the things that we might think. You know what he said? I never knew you. I never knew you. Listen, God's not interested in you just going to church. God wants you to know him. God's not interested in you trying to be more religious. He wants you to know him. To know him. The pathway to knowing God, the pathway to going deeper and getting to know God is called discipleship. Discipleship. Uh, You remember when Jesus called the, the men that were fishermen and tax collectors and all those other things, when he asked them to come with him, do you remember what they were called? Disciples. You remember that? We called Jesus and his Disciples. We think, well, there was 12 disciples. You know what? They were disciples. A disciple is merely, it's more than a student. It's more than sitting in a class hearing a lecture. That has its place. It's more than sitting in a church service once a week. When Jesus called the disciples... He had, listen to what he said. He didn't say, come sit in a class. He didn't say, start attending church. Those things have their place, trust me. They're very vital. But they are not the key. Listen to what he said. When he invited people to become disciples, he said, come follow me. Discipleship is a journey of learning to follow Jesus. Not in a church service, but in my everyday life. How you're going to walk this week out in your life. How you're going to live this week. How you're going to be on the job, in your home, at school. How you're going to be this week. How are you going to be when suddenly somebody does you wrong or or they disrespect you, or they act a certain way, and, or they try to do, hurt you. How are you going to act? How are you going to act? How are you going to be? Who are you going to be? When things go wrong this week, when everything you want right doesn't happen to happen, doesn't happen, are you going to follow Jesus this week? Or are you going to just live like you've always lived? See, when I'm confronted with things that test my character, that test who I am, at that moment I make a decision to follow Jesus. I choose to follow Him, to listen to Him, 
to be a disciple. Discipleship is merely following Him in our everyday life. Now, the disciples, you know, when they followed Jesus, Jesus said, come follow me. You know, notice that they left everything. They left their jobs. Like it says one uh, and two, uh, two people, it said when he called them, they let, put down their nets. They were fishermen and they were cleaning their nets. And when he said, come follow me, there was something inside them. You, you know it wasn't just a mental decision because logically they would have said, huh, I got making money here, I got a job here, got a future here. Uh-huh. And Jesus didn't say, if you follow me, I guarantee you 50,000 uh, to start with the first year. The second year, you'll go to 110. He didn't promise them anything. He just said, well, he did promise them one thing. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, you know, if they had logically, rationally thought that out, they wouldn't have done it because where do you sell men? They could sell fish, but if they go catch men, how do I sell them and make a profit all of that? So it had to be something inside them that stirred when he said, come follow me. And the Bible says they lift, put their nets down and they started walking with them. They left their jobs. They left their homes, their families. They left everything. Now, when we follow Jesus, when we commit our life and we're going to follow him and we want to become a disciple where we're purposing to spend our time following Him, and we're going to, in our daily life, let Jesus be in charge instead of my own self, my own flesh. He usually doesn't ask us. It's not required of us, you know, that we leave our jobs. When I gave my heart to the Lord, when I trusted Him as my Savior, when I surrendered my life to Him, I went to work that Monday morning on the same job. I worked the same job. I kept doing that job. But something had changed on the inside of me. And I started asking Jesus, help me on this job. I worked in construction. And in construction, God comes up a lot. Every time something doesn't work right, his name is used a lot. Every time a guy hits his thumb with a hammer, God comes up. He came up. He also had a last name. I had been living a very ungodly life when I met Jesus. That Monday morning when I went to work, I suddenly, I had a different purpose, a different focus. My life belonged to him and I wanted to walk for him. I wanted to live for him. And so I would say, Lord, help me. I don't know how to live for you. Help me. So I started following him. Now, when we talk about discipleship or being a disciple of Jesus, we're not talking about an event. We're talking about a process. Meeting Jesus Becoming a Christian is an event. It's something that happens in a moment, in the blink of an eye. It happens that quick. But living for Him, being a disciple for Him, of His, 
is a process you and I walk out every day of our lives. And that's called discipleship. And discipleship takes place best in relationships. Notice, when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't call each one individually to come walk with him privately. He called 12 men to walk with him together. And it wasn't a nine-to-five job because they slept out in the country together when they would be walking from one town to another where Jesus was preaching. They'd just sleep right there. And the Bible says they ate whatever the people would prepare for them. They were in a group. And that is where discipleship works best. Because, see, if Keith and I, it's very easy for me to just say I'm following Jesus all by myself because I don't have to deal with Keith. And see, Keith hadn't got it together like I have. Keith isn't as perfect as I am. He, there's things he does that could rub me wrong. Now, listen, Keith doesn't rub me wrong. What I'm talking about is where Christianity is really tested is when we're in an environment with other people. Where all of a sudden, they find out what we're really like. But we find out what they're really like. Discipleship is almost like a marriage. It's one thing to date a girl, it's another thing to marry her, trust me. I spent 47 years with a girl, and I'm still learning her. Discipleship works best in a relationship where we're together with a, with a group of people. And we walk Christianity out. That's why discipleship can't take place really effectively in a church service. We come together, and we sing together, we... Uh, listen to the message together, we do all that. But that's not where discipleship takes place because you, cannot ha you can be in this service and not know anybody and never care to know anybody in this service. You can come in and go out, never say hi, bye, or anything. And still say, you know, I'm a Christian, do all that. You, can, you know, that's fine. But if you really want to be a disciple, you're going to have to... Learn how to do it in relationship with other people because that's where our Christianity is tested, is in relationships. And as we are relating to other people, all of a sudden, I have to start applying Christian principles when they do me wrong, when they offend me, or when I perceive that they've wronged me. I've got to choose then to all of a sudden engage the principle of forgiveness and mercy. I've got to deal with them in that. It causes my life to have to change so that it's not about me and I can't just write off everybody that I don't like or I think they've done me wrong or they did do me wrong and I just leave them all. I have to learn how to live with them in a relationship and forgive them. And it even means that I'm probably going to have to sit down and say, wait a minute, what you said or what you did this is what it did to me. And begin to communicate. And in that environment, I really learned how 
to be a Christian. It's interesting that the number one job of the church, as a matter of fact, the only job that the church has is making disciples. God didn't, you know, Jesus didn't say go have church services. Jesus said go make disciples. That's what he wants. That's what the church is all about, making disciples. Now here we have developed some things at Christian Life Church to help you in discipleship. We've developed, we have what we call first step. Now that's not a discipleship class. First step is where if you want to surrender your life to Jesus or you want to, you're seeking and you're wanting to find out what it really means to be a Christian. You're not sure if you've ever become one, but you want to know about it. We have a place called First Step, a room up there where there's uh, some uh, people that you'll be able to talk with and they'll clearly articulate the gospel to you in an intelligent way so that you hear the gospel because Jesus or the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It is by believing the gospel that we are born again. Then we have a, a class called The Next Step. Steve is teaching that class this morning. It happens during our message portion of the service. The next step is just, it's, some, uh, it's a small group that meets for four weeks during the message part of the service and where they sit and they discuss key truths that are foundational, that are core beliefs that you need in place if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to live for Jesus and walk with Him. Another thing we have in place is small groups. We've put together small groups and we want to develop more and more. And these small groups are where a group of people get together at various times at various locations during the month. And some might be a Bible study. Some might be a, a study of a different course. Some may be fellowship, just getting together, having a meal and fellowshipping. You say, how can I grow in that atmosphere of just sitting and fellowshipping, having a good time over a meal? That is a great place for growth. As a matter of fact, when Jesus talked about us opening the door of our heart to him, he didn't say, if you open the door, he said, I'll knock on the door if you'll open unto me. He didn't say, I'll come in and teach you a class. He said, I'll come in and have a meal with you. We'll fellowship. We'll commune together. So some of the groups, they just get together and have meals. Some of them get together and do sports. They do different things. Why? So that there can be discipleship, so that people can grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Another uh, venue we have is our volunteer teams. Now these are the wonderful, beautiful people that I cannot brag on enough. There's no words I have to thank them. These are the people that work in the guest services, in the nursery. They stand out in the parking lot. They work in preschool. They work in kid life. They work in the production team, the band, the worship team. They teach classes. They're on the prayer team. All of our different volunteer teams, the pastoral care team that goes and visits people in the hospitals and things like that and people that are, are uh, uh, shut in. Those volunteer teams, they are the heart and soul of this church. 
I just get up here and do this and those that get up and teach, we do our part, but they are the real heart and soul. They're the ones that make this church work. It's not me, it's them. They're the heroes of Christian Life Church. They're the ones that nobody applauds. They're the ones that are behind the scenes doing the dirty work. But without them, there wouldn't be a Christian Life Church. And how grateful and appreciative I am of them. And they do task together. But more importantly than the task, and this is why I wanted teams formed in everything we do, is because I put people, or we're putting people in relationship with other people that are working together, just like the worship team, the guys in the band, they get together every Wednesday night. I guarantee those guys, whether they, they're building some relationships. And out of relationship comes discipleship. It begins to affect our lives. And so our, my goal, my desire is to have everybody that calls Christian Life Church their church home to be either in a volunteer team or in a small group. To where you're walking out your Christianity in a relationship with a group of other people beyond just your wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it may be. But you've got a group of people that get to know you and you get to know them and you walk out Christianity. It may be around doing some things like in kid life and make, having, being with those kids. But really, while you're doing that, you're growing a relationship. Listen to this. You cannot, you and I cannot make it and our walk with God all by ourselves. If we truly want to know God, if we truly want to go deeper, if we truly want to have a relationship where we can say, I know Him, and I know that He knows me, then you're going to have to be a disciple. You're going to have to walk in discipleship where your life is learning Him and it's changing you. And for that to happen, you need relationship with others. And I tell you, that is the heart of Christian Life Church, of why we're here, is to help you to discover that so that you can go deeper in God and grow up in Jesus and be all that He wants you to be. Do all that He wants you to do. And you can say, I know him. Father, thank you for doing Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.